Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Horn Midweek Movie Music Edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when the idealionaire Patrick Davis takes jams uh, from a particular soundtrack that inspired him for one reason or another and plays those selections for Harge and I. And based on the songs that are played, Harge and I are supposed to gather clues and hints, breadcrumbs that lead us to the featured film of Midweek Movie Music, Back to the Future Today, because it came out, what, uh, 30, 38? 38 years ago. Yo, this week. This week. Wow. And I, got, I, I, found my, I found my rabbit hole notes. About Back to the Future uh-huh. that I, I don't know randomly last week. I don't know. Maybe it's serendipitous. Great minds think alike. I was already down the rabbit hole of Back to the Future for some reason. So I'll share those with you and why it's a very um, unique um, sci-fi comedy that came together uh, with a lot of moving parts that probably eh, in, in this day and age probably wouldn't get made. Right. It was oh, lot, no. It, well, yeah, not just for the politically incorrect stuff, no, but, but there are a lot of uh, changes they made throughout the creation of it, and it just probably would have lost some of its luster or momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll get into some of that, too. We'll get into that later on. Um, but let's talk Texas football, gentlemen. Uh, we do have the all Big 12 preseason media selections that have been announced by the Big 12. Remember, we got Big 12 Media Days coming up next week. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all uh, Ball Don't Lie. A week from today. A week from today. There you yep. go. Um, ball Don't Lie. Along with uh, Light the Tower uh, as well and Chad and Zay are going to be down at Big 12 Media Days bringing you all the coverage uh, and as much as we can of all of the uh, the festivities. Last Big 12 Media Days for Texas. It is the last Big 12 Media Days. And Oklahoma. And so, OU. And OU. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we'll be down there for that and uh, we'll give you all of the the details and all of the scoops from Big 12 Media Days. But getting back to all uh, the other Big 12 media selections for the preseason team, um, there are several Longhorns who did get some love. We'll start with them, and then we'll give you the rest of the selections. Xavier Worthy made it for Texas at wide receiver. Uh, JT Sanders made it uh, for Texas at tight end. Uh, And Kelvin Banks made it as a uh, offensive lineman on this list. Um, those are the offense selections for Texas. On the defensive side of the ball, you have Byron Murphy, uh, the second made it. Um, do we call him the second? We don't throw we the second in there We just call him Byron. Enough. No, we don't. 
I just call him Byron Murphy. And you know what? We don't throw Kelvin Banks Jr. in there enough. Either. We do not. We just say Kelvin Banks. I got. You know what? We got to start Shout doing Shout out, that. Pops. I'm going to start yep. throwing the Jr. in there. That's for you because you the reason that he's such a beast. So I will do that. And that All is right? why he's Jr. That's why he's Jr. <laughs> wouldn't be Jr. without And I don't know if he – uh, I think Kelvin Banks' his father is pretty impressive. So I apologize for that. Throw the Jr. in there. Mm-hmm. But also Byron Murphy the second. And when we learned about the second, it means you're named after somebody in the family, but not necessarily you're a junior. not a junior. Junior means – Yep. Like dad yep. was named after dad, right? Correct. Do you have a junior? I do have junior. You have a junior, right, Mike? Is, well, is, we is don't it, call we you call, don't call him junior. I though. call him Mike Junior. You do call I him do Mike call Jr. Junior. Okay. We, call him him LM. Him we call him L M. Stands for Little Mike. Um, I gotcha. But I'm I'm more into the inclination of like Byron Murphy the second because Mike has a different middle name than I. Have. Oh, so he's a second, not yeah, a junior. Not uh, a junior. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, so Byron Murphy the second makes it for Texas. Yeah. Jalen Ford also makes it uh, for Texas. No Texas DB represented on the All Big Twelve preseason team. Uh, Jalen Ford also was picked to be Defensive Player of the Year mm-hmm. uh, in the Big Twelve, so good for him. And the only unanimous selection uh, for any of the selections for All Big Twelve preseason team was uh, Xavier Worthy. So give him props. Uh, here's the team's really quickly run it down. Uh, Offensive Player of the Year selection: um, Jalen Daniels from Kansas, the Kansas quarterback. He is also their first team quarterback. Then Richard Reese and Devin Neal. Richard Reese from Baylor, Devin Neal from Kansas. All your running backs, fullback. Yeah, we know they should make a flex. Ben Sanat <laughs> from Kansas State, wide receiver. Brendan Presley, Oklahoma State. We just said X Man makes from Texas. Jaran Bradley. From Texas Tech, makes it a wide receiver, too. Uh, we talked about JT Sanders at tight end. Offensive line, Kingsley Suomataya of BYU. Matt, Mike Novitsky of Kansas. Cooper Beebe of K-State. Kelvin Banks, Jr., we talked about from Texas. Zach Frazier from West Virginia. Uh, the place kicker is Griffin Kale from TCU. Um, and the uh, p- kicker returner, punt returner, is Phillip Brooks from K-State. Defense, Dante Colleone from Cincinnati. Ethan Downs, Oklahoma. Will Dominique from, uh, well, sorry, Will Dominique Williams. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a Will Dominique. No, Will Dominique Williams uh, from TCU. And Byron Murphy, the second, along with Jalen Hutchins of Texas Tech, are your D linemen. Linebackers, Colin Oliver of Oklahoma State. Johnny Hodges of TCU. Of course, Jalen Ford. Uh, and your DBs, TJ Tampa from Iowa State. Kobe Bryant from Kansas, Kobe Savage from K-State, yep, two Kobe's, Kendall Daniels from Oklahoma State, Josh Newton from TCU, and then there's your punter, Mason Fletcher. All right, yep. what are your thoughts, Harge, about the all-Big 12 preseason selections? On the defensive side of the ball, I definitely believe that Jaden, Jaden, uh, Jade Barron should have been on that list. I think he he warranted that. He was another guy. We talked about the plays that uh, Jalen Ford made. Well, Jod A was right there as well. He was very effective at the position that he was playing. Uh, we talked a little bit about Jaron Thompson and, of course, Ryan Watts. I think any of those guys could have been counted on on the first team. Uh, on the offensive line, I don't believe I don't understand how Kelvin Banks, with the numbers that he put up last year and the numbers that he didn't let happen last year, uh, I don't know why he wasn't considered a unanimous pick. We all believe that Jake, by the time he leaves, he may be a uh, top five draft pick in the draft, depending on what the position that they're looking for. But he is definitely earning himself a lot of uh, uh, fanfare with the way that he's playing. Maybe by the end of the season, they'll be able to make something happen. I, I, you know, I sit here and I look at this Duran Bradley. I went and looked up his stats from last year. Oh, did you? Okay. So in 12 games, mm-hmm. he had 51 receptions, 
744 yards, six touchdowns. His long was 47. He averaged 14.6 yards per reception. That's pretty explosive. But he only averaged 62 yards per game. So when you sit there and you look at it and you say, okay, this guy's a first-team all-conference player, uh, you can go back and look at not just Texas players. You can go and look at some of the other players in the league mm-hmm. and probably battle for that position. We can also look at it with uh, the new teams that are coming into the conference, University of Houston, uh, Cincinnati, you can UCF, UCF. Mm-hmm. Um, they're yeah. a very talented football team as well. I agree with that. So, I'm just curious to how you come up with it. And then this other part of it, you know, because we didn't bring this up yet, uh, the preseason player of the year, offensive player of the year is Jalen Daniels, the preseason. I think um, it's deserving. Yeah, I do too. I think for right now you look at it and you say, okay, yeah, this might be the guy that we need to look at. But you look at the preseason defensive player, Jalen Ford, but Treshawn Ward is the preseason newcomer of the year. He's a running back. He's a senior. He's a senior. Okay, what happened to A.D. Mitchell? Why yeah, is A.D. Mitchell they, they not a guy? They can't give Texas too much love. Well, they didn't give him too much. That's why they. That's why I think they didn't give Kelvin Banks the unanimous um, tag as well. Because I think he deserves it. I mean, I, I gave you the stats. You go look at it. Yeah. Last year, Kelvin Banks, <laughs> it's amazing. He, as a true freshman last season, he ended up facing three first-round picks uh, at defensive end. He faced yeah. Will Anderson, who was picked by the Texans, uh, number two overall. He faced Felix Enudike Uzoma, who was 31st. He faced Will Anderson. I'm oh, sorry, I said Will Anderson already. He yeah. faced um, the Will McDonald. And, 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 and the kid from Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Wilson. Tyree, Tyree Wilson. Wilson. Yes, yeah. those are the four. And he allowed zero sacks right. against those guys and four pressures. Um, and only had, I believe Pro Football Focus said, only one of those games he had a grade below 60. Right. Um, or below 80, I should say. Sorry, it was in the 60s, but below 80. So he was, uh, you know, as a true freshman, you're talking about a guy that was pretty raw out there going up against some elite caliber talent, first-round picks, and he allowed zero sacks and four pressures. I, yeah, I think that warrants him being a unanimous selection. Yeah. How could you watch his film? Exactly. And what player you think is better than him on the O-line in the Big 12? Yes, that, 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 BB, maybe? Is that who they were thinking? I guess you can go BB. You can go BB because of who he is and where he's been and what he's done for that for that team at K-State on the offensive line. But, yeah, when you watch the film, if you watch the film, that's why one of the texters said, you'll never convince me that Big 12 media actually watch Big, Big 12 games. They, they didn't watch him. You know what I'm saying? So that's where it's like, huh, okay. Um, I'm glad he made the first team, but how is he – that's like the baseball writers of America only having one unanimous player, and that's Mariano Rivera. I mean, no, like, I agree. What? It's like what are we looking at? No, I, I, I'm with. <laughs> I don't know how they could watch the film and not want to elect him as a unanimous selection. But he wasn't. He's only yep, a true yep, sophomore, yep, yep. and so maybe they think, "Hey, let's see it for one more year." Um, but like I said, based on last season, he was unbelievable, and also uh, part of that um, that group that we believe probably was snubbed a little, and Kelvin Banks wasn't snubbed, but he probably should have been a unanimous selection. Uh, Jade mm-hmm. Barron. Yeah. Jade Barron last season was one of Texas' best defenders. Behind Jalen Ford, who 
He was snubbed from last year being picked Defensive Player of the Year in the Big 12. We can get to that a little bit later on. Uh, but Jaday Barron was easily, in my opinion, the most consistent player in Texas secondary last season. Mm-hmm. So my only debate would be there are other players who are more deserving in the Big 12 overall than Jaday Barron. I still think I could make a really good case um, that he should be one of those five DBs. Yeah, for sure. But I'm, I'm glad he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got a reason to have a chip on his shoulder. I like that. Because I think he's an all-Big 12 defender, um, and I think he'll prove it this year. I think he'll end up being a first or a second-team all-Big 12 defender. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I, there were just so many opportunities that were being missed by people who, as we said, if you watch the film, <laughs> you would notice, like you, like you told Peyton Morgan, if you're around the ball, good things happen for you. Well, Jade was around the ball the entire time. The, yeah, he, he had a nose for the ball. <laughs> yeah, he had a nose for the ball. Yeah, and uh, actually Pro Football Focus ranked him as the sixth best corner in the Big 12, so maybe he is right outside, but they, they just had DBs, of course. Right. But they have him um, behind TJ Tampa, Josh Newton, um, and okay, he's just one corners. guy that's on it. Um, Eddie Heckard of BYU, Malik Fleming of U of H, and Montre Miller. These are pro football focus scores of West Virginia. And none of those guys made the all Big 12 team. Yeah, so maybe Except for one, Josh Newton. Yeah. And yeah. and TJ Tampa made it too, right? Uh, did he not make did it? He? Iowa State? I believe TJ oh, Tampa. Oh, yeah, TJ Tampa did, man. So they, got to, so they got the two highest rated corners yeah. based on pro football focus scores there. Yep. But I'm with you. Jaday Barron, I love this stat about him. Only Big 12 defensive back last season to have multiple games with double digit total tackles and multiple tackles for loss. Also, the only Power 5 DB to do so in at least three games. His stats, although they were, <laughs> like I said, he had the fumble recovery for yeah, a touchdown. Yeah. He had the picks. Basically, his pick turned around that UTSA game. Right. It was it was a one score game going you know in the middle of the third quarter, going into the middle of the third quarter, and then boom, he gets to pick six and blows that game wide open. Just by the numbers and things that you just stated, <laughs> that should have put him on the list. It should have, but I, I guess we just going straight Big Twelve. They want more splash plays from him, I think, no. and I think they want them in coverage, no. interceptions and PBUs. He's got a lot of just tackles for loss yeah. and really good tackles of that nature, and I'm with you. I, 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 like I said, these are guys who are not watching a lot of film, but we're a little biased, that's right, all right, I admit. Because we do watch a lot. We watch a lot, <laughs> but we watch a lot of Texas. A lot of Texas. Yeah, so it's, it's possible we're, that we're a little biased, but yeah, he could be. But also Ryan Watts can be considered, too. I mean, I know you're a big Ryan Watts guy. Big time. He, he'll never have the stats because he's on that boundary side. They don't give him a lot of help. Yep. He's He's more about deterring the the initial release of the receiver and rerouting them. And then ultimately he doesn't have to finish plays because by the time he's done rerouting wide receivers, they're, the quarterback is looking elsewhere in his progression. Yep. That's really where his effectiveness is. And he is, you know, one of the most va- invaluable pieces for Texas too. No doubt. Um, it says uh, his pro football focus, Ryan Watson, Jaday Barron were the only Big 12 cornerbacks in conference play last season to not allow a single receiving touchdown in pass coverage while allowing at least one interception. Now, Ryan Watts did have that UTSA double move thing, but mm-hmm. I believe pro football focus may have given that to Jaron Thompson since right. he ended up being closer and, and basically he was beat so bad on the double, it was a double pass, I believe it was. Yeah. So either way. Um, you got two. I think you got a lot of good talent in the secondary. 
I think it'll end up being one of the deepest positions. But, yeah, you need that field corner to be taken care of. But Jade Barron um, not being recognized on the all-Big 12 team as one of those selections, um, I think he'll remedy that by the end of the year. And I believe another name that will probably be on this list by the end of the year, and I'm hoping so, there's two of them, Alfred Collins and Tavondre Sweat. Sweat will be. Yeah. I don't know about Collins. <laughs> I know. I, I, no, I told somebody the other day. If I, I said, put money like, on it, I'd be like, I put money on Sweat. He's a snow fox. We've been waiting for it. We've been waiting to see it come out. But it's like, I'm still like. More like Bigfoot. Yeah. Been hearing about him. Loch Ness. I've been hearing, exactly, like, been hearing about him. Like, yeah, like, I, I, I know. I, I, you know, hey, I, I've been waiting on it too. If it all clicks, but he's still going to get a shot. He, yeah. can, he can underachieve here at Texas and his. His metrics, physical measurables, are so impressive. NFL coach will go, I'll yeah. give him a shot. They yep. don't know what the hell they're doing at Texas. I'll, I'll, I'll turn him into something. I'll no turn doubt. him into an NFL player. Yeah. That's how impressive he you know, He passed the eye test. That's for damn sure. Um, getting back to the offense, though, or getting to Xavier Worthy, the reason he's unanimous selection, I found this stat. in the last Over the past two years, X-Man has the most receiving touchdowns uh, and receiving yards of any Power 5 wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So... He is really productive. As a matter of fact, it leads us to this because I saw this stat and it's crazy. Talking about Xavier Worthy and how effective X Men is. Can we get this uh, sound ready, audio ready, Patrick of Josh Pate? I believe because it it backs up a stat that I saw and I I swear I saw it around the same time. So BetMGM mm-hmm. they have their Heisman odds available. And the favorites are Caleb Williams at plus 500, Jaden Daniels, that's the LSU quarterback, not Jalen Daniels. We talked about him as the all-Big 12 selection for Offensive Player of the Year. Um, he's at plus 900, Jaden Daniels from LSU. Uh, and Quinn Ewers is at plus 1,000, yep. Heisman favorites. Um, they, uh, they also listed highest ticket percentage and highest handle percentage. The highest handle percentage is basically the amount wagered by betters. Quinn Ewers has the highest handle percentage Bet MGM says at fifteen percent of the handle coming in on Quinn Ewers Drinking the to Kool-Aid. win the Heisman. Yeah, Longhorn fans are like, man, I'm putting money on. That's a good bet. Yep. What may be an even better bet? Second behind Quinn Ewers with a fifteen percent handle percentage right now at Bet MGM is Xavier Worthy at twelve point three percent of the handle. He's second. Mm-hmm. Texas is one and two right now. And handle percentage, that is money, amount of money wagered all right, on a certain bet, which is the Heisman bet here. Um, they are one and two at BetMGM. Now, I think this might have changed in recent, I don't know, last 24 hours or whatever. This is my research from yesterday. And how about this? Josh Pate of, I believe he's with 247 Sports, he if I'm is, not mistaken. He is, he is. He, and I saw this as well. It's crazy because I almost saw him simultaneously and maybe because he's on to something. Great minds think they're like, whatever. He had a take about why Xavier Worthy is a great bet for Heisman if you won't value. Here's Josh Pate. Xavier Worthy, plus 10,000 odds. 43rd best odds in the country to win the Heisman. That, Nick, is the player that I'd go bet some money on. And I know that because I already have and got a little bit better odds even than that. He was, um, he was third in the Big 12 in drops last year. He dropped 6% of the balls thrown his way. I think he'll rectify that this year because I think injury had a lot to do with that last year. And he didn't really talk about it publicly. But I'm here to represent him, so I'm talking about it for him. Uh, Xavier Worthy has the same odds to win the Heisman as Hudson Card, 
And Nico Iamaliava, who's not even going to start at quarterback for Tennessee, the injury last season, I think, watered down these odds to where I'm taking advantage of it. And let me also remind those of you out there who say, wide receiver, it's almost impossible for them to win the Heisman. That's true. Almost impossible. But there is an exception to the rule, right? Everyone remembers Devontae Smith. Does everyone remember who his OC was, though? Anyone remember who kept dialing up ball after ball after ball to the tune of 117 catches for over 1,800 yards and 23 touchdowns in only 13 games facing an all-SEC schedule in 2020? That would be Steve Sarkeesian calling those plays for Devontae Smith. There will be a casual or two who takes away from this show. Josh just compared Worthy to Devontae Smith which, of course, I didn't do. What I said is, if there is a receiver on this particular roster that is positioned well enough to benefit from Steve Sarkeesian the way... All right, that's enough of it. But uh, it was a good take by Josh Pate and lined up with the Bet MGM numbers that I saw that right now Xavier Worthy also a really good value for Heisman odds if you got some cashola to bet. Um, I did see this. It's like there will be a bounce back by Xavier Worthy because... Here are the numbers that I, I have from last season. Of the, and think about it. He made, he's a unanimous selection even after having, we all know, a down year. Of the 30 most targeted FBS receivers, Xavier Worthy had a third lowest completion percentage last season. Um, of the, he had the lowest single season receiving yards of that group, third lowest yards per target of that group, and the fewest receiving yards per game of that group. And we still saw Sark forcing the football to him with the messed up hand. And hell, even the Oklahoma State game, I go back to it, the most overthrows in the last 10 years for any team in college football <laughs> um, in that game because Sark was so stubborn about a one-handed Quinn Ewers throwing to a one-handed X-Man that's how much that that is how committed he is to getting the ball to his favorite wide receiver. So X Men is gonna get them targets. He gonna get them early and often. So it's not a terrible bet because he can he can scheme them up, Scotty. We know that he can scheme them up. But my thing would be, I think Quinn Ewers will be the bet if he ends up getting those type of numbers that get him in the Heisman conversation. Only not going would Quinn Ewers getting benched or getting hurt would would be the only reason that he wouldn't also be in the Heisman conversation if he was in that conversation, if X-Man was in that conversation too. Right. Because he's got J.T. Sanders on top of that and a Jay Witt on top of that and an A.D. Mitchell to throw to. So X-Man's not going to be the only receiver winning battles on the outside. I can agree with that. So I, we all hope this is a problem we have. This would be great. This is a great problem Texas to says, have. Need us that deep ball, baby. <laughs> give me that deep ball. Yeah, you know Sark. Yeah. Gonna, give me that deep ball. He's going to give you ball. every opportunity to get that deep ball. So, hey, X-Man, maybe hey, Sark, uh, hard. you like to put some money on things? I, I, I do. Get, I do. Is that, good value, and I'm looking, is that I'm, good value or not? It's great value. Okay. Great value. But, you know, I'm looking at uh, these other pages right here. And on, on uh, my bookie, they don't even have him on it. So oh, that's the, yeah. Wow. You know who they do have on there though? Who that? Jaden Blue. What? At plus twelve thousand. Wow. What's, and hold up, what's, Arch Manning hold up, what? plus eight thousand. This doesn't make any sense. Exactly. What you doing? So I, I'm sitting here looking for for I, our guy Jalen Daniels. I take JT Sanders over Jaden Blue. That's what I'm saying. I'm looking <laughs> to see who the features are and. I'm not seeing him as the feature. But you know who else's name is on there? Cade Klubnik. 
No, I believe that. K Klubnik is plus uh fifteen seventy five. No, K K. So you yeah. and Marvin Harrison, the wide receiver, mm-hmm. he's at plus twenty three hundred. Yeah, he's a freak. But I'm still looking for X Men. And which is different sites. You gotta go to different sites, so it may be on there. But the fact that I see Jaden Blue's names on here and he has better odds than Frank Harris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. That's cr- what the hell? Who, Jane Blue, who you know exactly. out there? You know somebody Somebody had there. to put you out there. So much was Vegas know yeah. about Jaden Blue. Yeah. All right, maybe you got to do some research on that. Uh, Texter also wanted me to know, don't forget, Kelvin Banks, not only when he faced the number three, number seven, number 15, number 30, 31 overall pick from this past year's draft, uh, pass rushers off the edge. Not only did he allow zero sacks and only four pressures, he had zero penalties. Exactly. Zero penalties. Penalties that, that's even for a bigger true for fresh. me. Exactly. That's even bigger for me. He'd be freaking out over there. Yeah. Those guys getting the BGO yeah. on you, getting the jump. Yeah. And he didn't freak out once and have a penalty just for a brain fart or right. false start. Matter of fact, something. he made them jump offside I a bunch of times. You are correct. Yeah. Man, that's, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, he should have been a unanimous selection. I just, that's great. That's makes just, even more sense now. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, they didn't want to give Texas two of them, and I get it. I, I understand. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about the uh, the all Big 12 media selections. I want to pick up that conversation in Rod's round of the day. My favorite selection of the all Big 12 uh, media, uh, all Big 12 preseason media selections. I'll give you my favorite one coming up in Rod's round of the day. Also, uh, I'll give you my, it's not a prognostication. I hope it's a prognostication or a prediction mm-hmm. for Black Stradamas. Uh, it ends up being more like a warning. I did this last year, um, and I'll explain to you on the other side. We'll talk Texas football right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful on the horn. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real! My god! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! What's oh, you've done doing? it now. It's time for Rod's no. rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, I want to get back to the all Big 12 uh, media selections uh, for the preseason team. Uh, JT Sanders on the offensive side of the ball might be my favorite of the selections and not because the other picks aren't selections for Texas aren't you know, unbelievable, extraordinary, extraordinary, uh, extraordinarily talented players like Kelvin Banks Jr. We talked about uh, and Xavier Worthy, unanimous selection for Xavier Worthy, only unanimous selection for their preseason team. And also Kelvin Banks Jr., who just as a true freshman last year, played like one of the best left tackles in the country. But the reason that the J.T. Sanders uh, selection to me is so important is because we haven't at Texas had a five-tool tight end in some time. It's been a really, really long time on the 40 acres. Uh, and J.T. Sanders has you know, a chance to be that guy. He only, if you go look at it, other than Brock Bowers, who had 
with 20 touchdowns receiving in his first two years. He's the only tight end the last 53 years to do that. So you're talking about a generational talent at tight end. Other than him, J.T. Sanders considered the best draftable prospect at tight end in the country. And Texas hasn't had a tight end with his kind of upside in a really, really long time. I wouldn't even look at – you can look at the top five returning tight ends in college football right now. I say Brock, Bur- Brock Bowers is obviously the top guy. But the – 32 receptions for either a first down or a touchdown for JT Sanders in 2022 trailed only Michael Mayer, Brock Bowers, and Dalton Kincaid. Two of those guys drafted really high in the NFL draft um, uh, among FBS tight ends. And you go look at his 613 receiving yards trailed only Brock Bowers among returning Power 5 tight ends. It's just tight end position for Texas ever since my man Bo Scaife and you know, look at him and David. You know, David Thomas, those were pretty much the last close to five tool tight ends you had, and both of those guys end up playing in the NFL. It's been a really long time since you've had a a, a tight end that you doesn't have to leave the field for Texas, and that's JT Sam. Doesn't have to leave the field at all. And I've called them an endangered species. Basically, the tight end position has become kind of an endangered species at Texas, and it has been. You know, for a while, and Texas has you know figured out how to piecemeal it together and moneyball it together. Whether it be you know now you have guy, whether it be guys like uh, you know have Tyrone Swoops now is in was playing in the NFL for a little while as kind of a makeshift tight end that they were experimenting with too. You've had some fullbacks who are some blocking tight ends who've also gone to the NFL. We're talking about a guy that can be a multi-level, multi-purpose threat like JT Sanders. And here's my. More of a warning. I don't know if it's going to be a prediction. Hopefully it is a prediction. Last season I said if B. John Robinson is not a Heisman finalist, then something something happened. Like Texas didn't meet expectations because he was that good. We all agree. He was good enough to be a Heisman finalist. Did I say he was going to win it? No, that's tough. Um, But be a Heisman finalist, we all agree? Yeah. And I think what happened to B. John was those big stage games that Texas had, the Alabamas, the TCU game, big stage game. Um, they needed Bijan to have breakout performances, Heisman moments, and he didn't have that. He only have twelve touches in the TCU game. Um, so not meeting that expectation, or at least having that prediction materialize, I do think that's partly why Texas didn't meet expectations last season. You can get uh, you can get Bijan to the Heisman, uh, at least a Heisman finalist. That would mean you probably won two more games last year, and you probably won them because of Bijan. <laughs> Should have been. Exactly. Yep. And mm-hmm. that's why they didn't meet expectations last season. This season, I'll say this. This is my warning, hopefully, prediction slash prognostication. Um, and someone says, forgetting Jermichael Finley. Yeah, Jermichael Finley. I agree. Jermichael Finley was great. I don't know if he was a five-tool tight end, though. Like, I know he was great. He was really he good. He did at the NFL level. He at became the NFL that. level, he became that. But at yeah. Texas, I don't know if he became that. And I think JT Sanders has a higher upside here at Texas. At Texas. But I'm not against Jermichael Finley at all. Just, um, yeah. I agree. He was a good player. Um, so I'm not going to get the spec text line excited. <laughs> um, but if JT Sanders doesn't leave Texas as the most statistically prolific tight end uh, in Texas football history or right up there among those great tight ends, if not the top of that list, and if he's not the most prolific tight end in Sark's tenure as a play caller and our head coach. I think something might have gone wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, that's kind of one thing. Like something must have gone wrong there. Because I'll give you the numbers about JT Sanders. He had 54 receptions. Uh, that was the most by a tight end in a single season in program history. Already got that record. 613 receiving yards, second all-time in a single season 
for a Texas tight end. Five touchdowns, that was third all time in a single season for a tight end. And he said that was his first year playing the position full time. Uh, and he can get the record for most receiving yards in a single season because that's 637. You know, he's a few yards off of that. Mm-hmm. Most receiving yards in a single game was 149. Maybe if he has a big game, he can get close to that. Uh, most receiving yards in a career for a tight end, David Thomas, 1367. Hell, man, he's at 613 now. <laughs> yeah. You know, he one more season Bring to do what he just me. did. He'd be right there. Yeah. Uh, most receiving touchdowns in a career, that's 15. That's a lot. David Thomas, shout out. Big, big. I mean, that's a beast mode stuff mm-hmm. there. Most receiving touchdowns in a game by a tight end is three. I think actually he got a shot to do that, uh, depending on who, who right. we're playing and how they're trying to scheme uh, and defend guys like X-Man and Jay Witt and all the other weapons you have. So, And, and by the way, Sark's tight ends that he's had, I mean, I want to say Sark's most prolific tight end, maybe – Austin Safarian Jenkins, 69 receptions, 852 yards, seven touchdowns. Austin Safarian Jenkins. Was that at uh, was that Washington, Washington, I believe? Yeah. He was the that, guy that was being recruited by <clears throat> Texas at one point. Was he really? That's why that name was so, like, <clears throat> on the tip of my tongue right there. To me, that's, I mean, that's the area you should be in. Yep. If you're a Sark, I mean, that, I know that sounds like, man, that's really prolific for a tight end. Yeah, but I think X-Man right now is probably X-Man is going to be the most targeted receiver on the squad. I do think redistributing and, you know, finding a a different rate to present the passing game, maybe through JT Sanders a few games, depending on mm-hmm. the matchup, would be wise rather than always featuring and running the passing game through X-Man every game when everybody knows that. Yeah. You can do it through JT and you can hide JT Sanders better. Yeah. He's going to be matched up against a linebacker or a safety. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. Oh, man, please. It's going to be beautiful. Exactly. That, that is yeah. a, he is an instant mis- uh, matchup advantage or a mismatch. With X-Man, it's not always clear because sometimes a really good DB out there like TCU had, and mm-hmm. sometimes they just say, you know what, we're going to take him away with scheme. We're going to roll coverage or we're going to double him or you know, we're going to put a underneath defender, whatever. They decide their scheme, schematic ways you can take him away. It's hard schematically to take away a tight end. Ask the NFL about taking away Travis Kelsey. Right, they still can't. They still him can't because he's he's moving around so and much. You know that he's getting the you ball. You know he's getting the yeah. damn ball. You yeah. just can't tie because what I got to put my corner inside to cover Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Do you know what that does to the structural integrity of a defense? So just move your best cover man inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You basically, yeah, you might. I mean, you really are just asking for all the to expose your defense in a myriad of different ways. So if you start yeah. moving pieces around like that, unless you have a really flexible, malleable defense, which most people just don't have. Yeah, they ain't got there that. are rigid rules to yeah. who covers guys who are in the box as opposed to guys who are out on the perimeter. And that means he's going to match up on linebackers and safeties, and it means most of the time you'll win that matchup. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm really excited about this. It's been a long time since Texas had a tight end that's capable of what JT Sanders is capable of. And, you know, I, I've described him as, you know, the tight end position since guys like, you know, um, Jermichael Finley and David Thomas and Bo Scaife back in the day. It's been a bit of an endangered species on the 40 acres. And my comparison was I went rabbit holing one day uh, about the, uh, the gray wolf. And the gray wolf was basically endangered in Yellowstone because they eradicated the gray wolf in Yellowstone right around the 20s or something like that. And I won't give you the whole story. But essentially, they wanted to reintroduce the gray wolf to the ecosystem. because They believe part of the collapse of the ecosystem um, since the gray wolf was eradicated was due to them not having the top one of the top predators at the top of the food chain there. 
And turns out when they reintroduced the wolf and it took them, I think, like, I don't know, it was like $30 million to do it, 30 to $35 million to do it. A lot of people are against it either way. But turns out they were right. When they reintroduced the endangered gray wolf back into the ecosystem of Yellowstone, because turns out without wolves like coyotes, they ran rampant and the elk population exploded and the elks stopped migrating. Because they were like, well, we're not in danger. What the hell are we going to migrate? No, we, we need to stay right, stay right here. here. Yeah. And they started overgrazing on willows and aspens. And without those willows and aspens, the tree songbirds declined. Beavers couldn't build dams because they used uh, a lot of the willows. To, to, and that was also part of a food source for them to build their dams. Turns out them not building the dams was affecting the actual temperature of the water because the dams would help cool the water in Yellowstone. And then it got, basically, the water got too hot for fish who were cold water fish, and they were dying. All because they took the wolf away. This is just one of the kind of domino effects of it. They found, like, tons more. I won't save you all the trouble because you don't want to hear it. My point is, the Texas offense has also experienced that over the last decade. While the tight end position has been an endangered species on the 40 acres, mm-hmm. it's experienced this collapse from within. And it's, it can't totally flourish. All right. And it can't be it's kind of the I it can't be the ideal offense that I believe Steve Sarkeesian envisions it to be without that tight end position flourishing. He says his words, it is the second most important position behind quarterback in his offense. Those are his words, not mine. And now he's got the tight end with the most upside he's ever had since he's been a play caller and a head coach. I expect him to weaponize that talent mm-hmm. with JT Sanders. So that's so I, that's what I, why I'm really excited because we haven't seen it in a while. Like I said, Jermichael Finley was the last one and before him talking about David Thomas and Bo Scaife. Those were good years. Yeah. Those, those <laughs> were really those good were, years. Those years. If Bo, if Bo could have stayed healthy, mm. it could have been even better. Yeah. Those were years prior to your offensive identity crisis. Right. Think about it. You, you Losing your, your, your ability to develop a, develop a tight end, a high-end tight end, that does track with your offensive identity crisis at, at Texas on the Ford Acres. I'm not saying it, but it does go to my, my endangered species theory about the tight end position at Texas. Also, another little factoid about J.T. Sanders real quick. He moves neither in motion or shifting more than any player in college football. Yeah. Power five. I should say power five. He's number one in, in basically move percentage. That's snaps in motion or snaps shifting. Isn't that crazy? That is. That is. And when you think about it, it matches up with your eye test. He's always moving. Yeah. Which is perfect to hide him within the scheme of an offense. Mm. Expecting big things. All right, we come back. We'll talk about uh, Joey. Will that hurt, will that hurt Worthy's uh, Heisman Trophy? <laughs> he's gonna hurt Heisman. He's gonna hurt. He's gonna hurt X Man's Heisman Trophy odds, no doubt. You basically, I just made the case why X Man will not win the Heisman because basically he has that kind of season. X Man yeah. cannot have an elite Devonte Smith type season. No, he can't. So okay, I just made the anti X Man. That's what that's what Hart got out of that whole thing that I did with. There. I was like, Hart's like, so I shouldn't put that money so on X Man. Oh yeah, because I'm sitting there looking for him. I'm searching for him. So don't bet on X Man to win the Heisman. That's what, that's what I got. That's what he got from. That's the what rant. I got from that. Yeah, hey, you know what? Take what you will from it. All right, uh, we come back. We will get into off the record on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie. the Horn.
All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie. It is a midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when Patrick, the idealionaire, he takes songs uh, from a certain soundtrack that inspired him for one reason or another. And based on these selections that are played, Hard's not supposed to gather clues and hints, breadcrumbs that lead us to the featured film of midweek movie music. And it's Back to the Future, ladies and gentlemen. Back to the Future. Iconic film in pop culture. In this one, he was fading away. Right this, here, yeah, yeah. he's like, "Come on, guys! Come on, guys! Kiss her, man! Kiss her! Kiss her! Damn it! Hurry up kiss her! Before he fades away." Uh, okay, here's some factoids about Back to the Future. So, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, uh, those are the ones who made the film. They're the filmmakers. They have been collaborating since they met at film school, like USC, in the '80s, and. Rummaging, this is Bob Gale's story, rummaging around his parents' basement one weekend. He came across his dad's old school high school yearbook and wondered what would it be like if him and his dad had met each other in his youth and would they have been friends when they were 17 years old? That's the inspiration for the script. He mentioned this to Zemeck, uh, to Robert Zemeckis and Robert Zemeckis said, oh man, I think we got a story here. And then they came up with time travel as the way to, to do it. Uh, Columbia said it was too sweet. They didn't want it. Universal said time travel movies don't make money. We don't want it. And Disney said it was too incestuous. Uh-huh. So they were out. In total, the script for Back to the Future was rejected 44 times by studios. 44 times, people. You believe in yourself? Bet on yourself. Unable to sell the script, Zemeckis got a job directing Romancing the Stone. It was a big hit, and suddenly everybody wanted back, wanted him, and he wanted Back to the Future. So he was like, you know what? Everybody wants me now. This is my passion project. So he took it to Spielberg, good friend of his, and he struck a deal uh, with Universal. Eric Stoltz had auditioned too. Zemeckis liked him but wasn't 100%, 100% convinced. Uh, Scheinberg thought he was perfect, though he was so confident that he told Zemeckis to hire Stoltz, Eric Stoltz, if it didn't work out, they could replace him because he was playing the Michael J. Fox character. Um, Filming started with Stoltz and there were issues immediately. Zemeckis felt they weren't getting the laughs they wanted. And this is why. How about this? Leah Thompson has told this story several times about the table read where Eric Stoltz said, this is not a comedy, people. It's a tragedy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no seriously <laughs> this is a tragedy he was reading it as a tragedy Zemeckis went back to basically they were trying to get uh, Michael J. Fox so he went back to Family Ties because Family Ties were basically like we got him under contract he can't go anywhere and, yeah. and shoot anything and they asked again if they could release Michael J. Fox just to shoot the movie showrunner Gary Goldberg let Fox read the script he loved it and begged Goldberg to let him make the movie Goldberg agreed and on condition that Family Ties wouldn't be conflicted it wasn't um, in casting the, the inventor, Doc Brown, Doc Emmett Brown, John Lithgow, Dudley Moore, and Jeff Goldblum were all considered. Producer Neil Cannon had worked with Christopher Lloyd on the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension and suggested him. They sent Lloyd the script, but aspirations, he wanted to be a serious actor. He rejected it, threw it in the trash. Zemeckis met with him personally and was impressed by him and said, hey, man, you got to do it. It's going to be a hit. We promise you. And Lloyd told him that he was going to play the part like Albert Einstein and the conductor called Leopold Stokowski. So he liked uh-huh. the idea. That's why he got the crazy hair. The backstory you talked about, um, Patrick, it's not mentioned in the film, but Zemeckis and Gail had a backstory for how Marty and Doc know each other. Marty snuck into Doc's lab when he was 13 years old. Doc caught him, gave Marty a part-time job to help with the experiments and look after Einstein the dog. Uh, there were many script changes. Marty's surname was originally McDermott. Imagine that. 
the climax took place at a nuclear test site in Nevada. They changed that. The script ended with George looking at a 1955 newspaper with a pic of Marty saying, it can be, but it is. Um, Doc Brown initially had a pet chimp called Shimp. This was changed to a dog called Einstein because uh, the Meccas and Gail said no film with a chimp ever made money. When Gail, when Gail said, what about which every way but loose? Scheinberg said, that's an orangutan, not a chimp. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, they didn't like the name at first either. They wanted to change the name from Back to the Future to Spaceman from Pluto. Luckily, Spielberg stepped in and said, that's stupid. I want Back <laughs> to the Future. Uh, in the original draft, the time machine was a room, not a car. Marty would go into a room and get zapped back in time. That changed to 1950s refrigerator that Marty would climb into back to go back in time. Zemeckis scrapped the idea when he worried about children climbing to refrigerators that would harm them to try to copy. So Zemeckis then had the idea of using a car as it meant the time machine could be mobile. He wanted something that looked futuristic and cool. So the DeLorean was brought in, by the way, factory for DeLorean in H-Town. Little factoid there. Mm-hmm. After the movie came out, John DeLorean himself wrote Zemeckis a letter expressing his gratitude. By the way, John DeLorean once on trial for like... Some really shady stuff. I, but I think he was found not guilty. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there you go. That's factoids. Oh, by the way, Huey Lewis was asked by Zemeckis and Gale to write a song for the film, but weren't pleased with his first song he wrote. Lewis said, we did this too, but it's got nothing to do with time travel because he believed it was a love story. So he wrote The Power of Love. Instead of they want him to write a time oh, travel. He said love. the movie was about love, so he wrote the, he wrote the movie about love. All right. And it worked out. Okay. There you go. Some like random it. stuff there that happened about the movie. Wow. Uh, yeah, the film made uh, basically Michael, Michael J. Fox a sensation overnight. He, uh, the film was nominated for three Oscars. <laughs> That's crazy. And it took in $389 million at the box office and was the highest grossing movie of the year. And it's now a classic. Hey. Well, when you said at the beginning of it, the very beginning of this thing where you said, he didn't like it because it was a little bit too incestual. They didn't like that. They didn't like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, that's what Disney. Disney was like, it's yeah. too incestuous. People and, are gonna think that's gross, and yeah. they were like, people won't think of that through. They won't think about it that deeply. At, not at that moment. We didn't. We didn't but care. Now, now that we're we here. Did, we're now. like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. What were we watching? Exactly. Talking uh, about a cult classic. It's cult like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but turns out, man, there you go. Passion yeah. project rejected forty-four times. They finally decided to make Back to the Future. We're all grateful. Do you right. have to go back and count the forty-four, or do you keep track during the forty? For. I I think they keep track of it during right. You know when if you got a passion project, you know how many times it's been rejected. Yeah, I feel like at about twenty, I'd stop counting. <laughs> they were making other stuff though. Yeah. So this is like their passion project. They were making yeah. like romance and stuff and other stuff. But this, they were like, no, when we make it big and everybody's yeah. like, so what movie do you want to make? We'll be like, Back to the Future is the movie we want. This is make. what I want. This and is they were what right. I want. And yeah. so you know, I have to say, I, I thought it's one of those great stories in Hollywood that that movie. My 44 different times wasn't mm-hmm. going to be made, and somebody stuck with it, man. Stick with your passion. All right, we come back. Uh, more passion about the NBA free agency frenzy. Dame Lillard requesting a trade. We got to talk about the um, hot dog eating contest on July 4th, oh too. God. I'm sorry. I know. It's uh, considered sports, and we have to cover it. Okay. We'll do that as well as <laughs> NBA free agency. Dame Lillard requesting a trade. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The Horn.